You are listening to Tell It From Calvary, a ministry of Calvary Baptist Church, New York City, where we preach Christ crucified, risen, and coming again. The following sermon is by Dr. Ed Stetzer, author, missiologist, and interim teaching pastor at Calvary. For upcoming events and services, visit our website at cbcnyc.org. And now, here is today's message. Hey everybody, Ed Stetzer here. Thanks so much as always for joining us here at Calvary. And we're so glad that you're here. You might have seen Calvary in the Wall Street Journal this week. Tells a little bit about the story of uh, technology, one of the first radio stations, and then talking about the podcast that we're launching as well. So you can get more information about the podcast on our website as well. So subscribe to the podcast. You can listen to Tell It From Calvary on the radio. And oh gosh, and you can listen online right here. So hey, Ed Stetzer here, Interim Teaching Pastor. And if you have a Bible, I want you to turn with me to Philippians. Philippians chapter 2 is going to be uh, our text today. We're continuing to work our way through the book of Philippians. If you're just joining us, and maybe this is your first time, first welcome. Uh, and maybe if the church is new to you, I want to encourage you to get engaged and involved. You can stay after. We actually have a dialogue after the service, live dialogue after the service via Zoom. Uh, you'd link the, all the information that's at the webpage as well. And, um, and you can get, become a part, but if you're just starting in our series, you'll want to go back and listen because I'm going to refer to something called the canonic hymn, which, which won't mean much to you unless you've been with us the last few weeks as well. But for now, let's turn to Philippians chapter two, Philippians chapter two, beginning at verse 12, and we'll go, uh, all the way down over to verse uh, 15. So it says this Philippians chapter two, verse 12 to 15. Therefore, my beloved As you've always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence, uh, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who has worked in you both to will and to do for his good pleasure. Do all things without grumbling or disputing, that you may be blameless and innocent, right? Um, uh, Children of God without blemish in, uh, in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation among whom you appear as lights in the world, right? So that's kind of the passage we're looking at today. And, you know, maybe you want to grow closer to God. You want to grow in your spiritual walk. and But it seems you're stuck in the same destructive patterns. Maybe you haven't been able to see spiritual breakthrough that you wanted to. And maybe your life doesn't seem much more like what you see in Scripture. Um, Yet we know that God saved us and wants to shape us into the image of Jesus. And thankfully, we don't have to stay stuck. Uh, We don't have to stay stuck. In today's message, we're going to look at change and how we can change and how ultimately that change works as well. The message today is on discipleship. It's five practices of a growing disciple. It's five practices of a growing disciple. And again, the passage is from Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 15, which I've already read. Now, again, if you're into sports, right, uh, you can't get good at sports by watching the game. Matter of fact, America's filled with uh, lazy guys on sofas watching sports. They yell a lot. They're fairly confident in their knowledge of the game, but I'm pretty sure none of them could actually pull it off on the actual field. The problem is their lives are marked as spectators, not competitors or participants. So I want to encourage you today to move from being a spectator in the spiritual journey to actually being a participant in your own spiritual growth. That's what we're going to look at specifically today. 
To do that, we're going to look at five things. We'll go through five things together, uh, one at a time, and we'll kind of walk through them as we go. First is persistent faithfulness, is persistent faithfulness. This is actually found in, uh, in verse 12, the first part of verse 12. Let's, let's, let's look at it. It says this. Oh, sorry. It's it's in verse 12. It says this. Let's look at the actual text itself to get a picture of what that exactly tells us, right? It says this. Therefore, therefore, right, just as you have always obeyed, so now, not only in my presence, but much more in my absence. In my presence, but much more in my absence. Now, you'll notice, at least I hope you'll notice, that I'm actually uh, encouraging you to actually take out your Bible and to follow along with me uh, in the text. And the reason for that is, is that it's very easy to just have it on the screen, but you having your Bible open and follow along will help us in the long run. So I'm actually not putting up the main text, but supporting texts and some other things. So if you're following on your Bible, maybe you have paper Bible, which would be even better, uh, because then I'd encourage you to uh, to circle the word obeyed. Therefore, my beloved, just as you've always obeyed, though there's an obedience that's at work here, right? It's And, and it, uh, the text actually says, so now, not only in my presence, but even more in my absence. It's important to understand that discipleship is not a Sunday practice, it's a daily process. Discipleship is not a Sunday practice, it's a daily process. So Paul commends the church that they're a faithful church, a church that is consistently obedient. Uh, they, they are obedient when he's there, and they're obedient when he's gone. So they're consistently seeking to be obedient. And this is a picture of faithful discipleship. Discipleship is consistent and persistent, right? It's like becoming like Jesus at all times and in all places. Now, Eugene Peterson actually talked about it this way. He called it long obedience in the same direction. Now, this is difficult in our culture, which sometimes teaches us to behave one way in church and kind of another way in the rest of life. But here, Paul's saying, Paul's writing this, he says to the Philippians, not only in my presence, but also in my absence. Now, let me show you some some data. Now, before I came to work at Wheaton College, I was actually led a research team. And at that research team, we looked at uh, discipleship and the practices of discipleship. Let me show you some of the things we saw. Right, we talked about um, eight attributes of discipleship that at Lifeway Research, you can see the little logo in the corner, uh, we went through. And these are eight attributes of discipleship that are consistently found in people that have spiritually growing and robust lives. Right now, um, in a 30-minute message, I can't go through all of them in depth, but you can see the engaging the Bible, obeying God, denying self, serving God and others, sharing Christ, exercising faith, seeking God, uh, building relationships, and being unashamed or having a sense of transparency in our spiritual life. These are all part of what it meant to have that kind of intentional growing discipleship. Now, I want you to know this is an important thing. Uh, number one, Bible engagement, right? And this is important because consistency in the Bible was the number one correlative attribute to everything else. So if you want to share Christ more, being in the Bible more. If you want to serve your neighbor more, uh, being in the Bible more. So it goes on and on from there, right? A consistency in the Bible kind of leads to an engagement in all of these uh, other areas, right? So, so when we get that, we begin to see why Paul is specifically saying 
that we should uh, grow in obedience in our Christian life and practice, right? So, so a matter of fact, take, take a look at this passage here. So 1 Peter chapter 1, verses 14 through 16 says, As obedient children, do not be conformed to the desires of your former ignorance, right? But as the one who called you is holy, you also are to be holy in all your conduct. For it is written, for it is written, uh, be holy because I am holy. So there's a very clear call to obedience to Christ, to spiritual growth. Matter of fact, it doesn't end there. There's actually a call for effort on our part, right? So intentional effort is found in verse 12, uh, the second part of verse 12. Because I want you not to miss this, right? It actually says, look at the words, right? Verse 12, hopefully you got verse 12 uh, open. It uses the phrase, work out your own salvation. Now, I want you to do something. I want you to take a moment, and I want you to mark in your Bible. I want you to circle the word out. And then I want you to notice, it doesn't say work on your own salvation. It doesn't say work for your own salvation. It says work on your own salvation, right? Because this is a hard verse. For, people sometimes misunderstand it, right? I grew up in a religious tradition that taught that, um, that ultimately, for us, um, if we tried hard enough and our good outweighed our bad, then maybe we'd go to heaven when we die or have a less time of pain before we get to heaven. And that's built on an idea that's maybe sometimes a misunderstanding of verses like this. It doesn't say work for your salvation. It doesn't say, uh, it doesn't say uh, to work on your salvation. It says work out. So in other words, you're saved by grace and through faith. If you're not a follower of Jesus and you're joining us today, Maybe a friend invited you. I don't want you to think or to say, well, I've got to, got to work out my, my, my own personal redemption. No, no, no. It's you are redeemed as a follower of Jesus. You've been born again as you receive by grace and through faith the good news of the gospel. And now what you work out is your salvation, not for it or toward it or on it, but work out, live out the implications of it. In other words, God doesn't want us to turn over a new leaf, but instead he wants to give us a new life. It's by grace through faith. So again, if you're not a follower of Jesus, I want to invite you before we're done today to receive by grace and through faith the forgiveness Christ has provided for you, the eternal life Christ has given you, but you receive it and then you work out your own salvation. But there is intentional effort, right? There is a sense, and sometimes Christians are unsure, well, do I have effort? Yes. The effort comes as I grow, right? Not for what I earn, but as I grow. Dallas Willard put it this way. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. Dallas Willard said that. If you're a note taker, it's worth writing that down. You'll remember this later. Because grace is not opposed to effort. It is opposed to earning. So you don't earn your salvation. You That's God's free gift. But having received your salvation, you work out your salvation. So... We are right to understand that discipleship is ultimately God's work in us, right? And so, so he's working in us. But we sometimes misinterpret that to mean that we don't have a part to play in our sanctification. So while God is at work in us, he does so as we work. Paul actually references his own effort on more than one occasion in the process of being a disciple. And ultimately... Um, the, the key to understanding that our work, the key to understanding that our work does not earn our reward. 
right? So instead, look at the passages of Scripture. It says this in Colossians chapter 1. We proclaim him, right, warning and teaching everyone that uh, with all wisdom that we may present everyone mature in Christ. For this I toil, for this I labor, striving with his strength that works powerfully in me. Colossians 1 verses 28 and 29. We see this in other places too, like uh, like in 1 Corinthians 3, 6, where it says, I planted, Apollos watered, God gave the growth. There's a very recurring theme that we are called to make intentional effort for our own spiritual discipleship. So Paul's writing to the church of Philippi, telling them, you got to take some intentional effort. But that's not all the story, right? Because number three in our outline is actually going to help us to understand how that plays out, well, even a little more particular, right? So number three is radical reliance. Now, what I've done is, you see, where I say like 12C, so it's kind of the third part of, of verse 12. So we've kind of really parsed verse 12 here into multiple parts because there's there's a lot going on in verse 12 that we don't want to miss, right? So so now we're, it, it goes on and it says says this. You can follow along in your Bible if you have it open. It says, with fear, with fear and trembling, right? For it is God who works in you, right? With fear and trembling. Why? Because God's working in you, right? So it is with fear and trembling, for it is God who works in you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Okay, so don't miss what's going on here, right? So it is God who's working you. You say, but Ed, a minute ago you said, we got to have intentional effort. Yes. Okay. That's why it all kind of comes together. Um, so it is um, God who is at work in you. He's redeemed you, given you new life, filled you with the Holy Spirit. You grow with intentional effort. So we're reading your Bible as an example of intentional effort. Praying is an example of intentional effort. But there's a recurring theme throughout the whole Bible. Uh, but even here in the book of Philippians, it says, I am sure of this. That he who started a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Christ Jesus. That was weeks ago. We talked about Philippians chapter 1, verse 6. So, so, um, so God is at work in us, right? That's even as Paul talks about work out your own salvation. We've been saved. We work out our salvation. God is at work in us. We take intentional effort to grow. But here's the challenge, right? Um, Many of us love our lives more than we love being disciples. And we're called to actually love the Lord in such a way that we want to grow in a grace relationship with him that ultimately takes the time that our spiritual lives are, are shaped, if you will, in response to God's grace with intentional effort on, part, on our part, but radically relying on the Lord. Here's why. Because trying to become like Jesus outside the power of Jesus actually dishonors Jesus. Trying to become like Jesus outside the power of Jesus actually dishonors Jesus. Instead, there's a very clear biblical call regularly and consistently to deny ourselves, right? To, to not think it's something we can do on our own strength and are on our own merit. So there is action on our part intentional effort, right? Remember, we're going through the outline, right? So intentional effort. But that intentional effort is deeply related to radical reliance. And that shouldn't surprise us because, again, we can see in Philippians chapter 1, verse 6 here, that he who started a work, that's God, 
will carry it on to completion. That's carrying it on right now. To completion one day, that's the work of Christ. So, so again, let's not miss the pattern that we're seeing here, right? So we're seeing the idea of first, persistent faithfulness. Persistent faithfulness. And then we're seeing intentional effort. Now radical reliance. Now radical reliance is next on our on our list. But it's again five points. So what is this radical reliance? What is this intentional effort? What is this persistent faithfulness going to lead to? It's actually going to lead to Christ-like transformation. So this Christ-like transformation is actually reflected in verses uh, 14 and 15 of the passage. So let's let's take a look at verses 14 and 15 uh, in the text itself. Remember, I want you to encourage, have your paper Bible out, Bible out, follow along with me. Do all things without grumbling or disputing so that you may be blameless and innocent, right? Um, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. Okay, so there, there there's the passage, right? So what are we going to do? We want to avoid, we want to avoid certain things and embrace other things, right? So no grumbling and disputing. Now, remember, there's a conflict going on at the church of Philippi that Paul's addressing. So um, so he's telling them, don't be filled with grumbling and disputing. Instead, be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and twisted generation. So a couple of things, right? So again, if you have, hopefully you got your, your Bible, Bible open there. So take a look at it. A couple of things worth not missing, right? You could live your life just trying to dwell on verse 14. Uh, do all things without grumbling or disputing. You could circle without. These are things to be free from. No grumbling, no disputing. And the contrast is blameless and innocent. So blameless and innocent. And then I love the fact children of God, right? Children of God uh, without blemish. Now, now here's the thing. It's, it's kind of often assumed that um, children look like their parents. Now, there's a blessing called adoption that sometimes make it might make the case where that's not the case. But a lot of times, we look like our parents. So I have three daughters, and my oldest daughter uh, looks like Donna, my wife. And sometimes we'll call Kristen, her's her name, we'll call her Little Donna because she looks a lot like Donna. And Jacqueline, my middle daughter, she's a middle child, uh, just like I was a middle child, and she looks like me, but just a beautiful feminine version of me. Um, but we call her sometimes little Eddie. She was a little horrified when she realized she looks like me, but there's, there's, there's a nice version of that, I guess. So we called her little Eddie. And then my youngest daughter, uh, Don and I both have brown eyes and dark hair. And my youngest daughter has blonde hair and blue eyes. And so we call our oldest little Donna, our middle little Eddie, and we call our youngest little mystery, um, because she doesn't look like us. So but she she does actually look like my uh, my my father uh, back before his hair was gray, and um, so so the point is, is that there is not a shocking, or perhaps better way to put it is it's a normal thing that sometimes people would say well they look like their parent well here, children of God, without blemish so we resemble better words actually reflect the character and nature of God without blemish in the midst of a uh, of the midst of a well it says here a crooked and twisted generation so the grand purpose of discipleship right um, after bringing honor to God is to produce in you the character of Jesus God the Son 
right? The first Christians at Antioch were actually uh, kind of criticized or derisively given the title Christians to mockingly refer to them as little Christs. But that's, they took that with joy. Because while the intent was evil, they actually took it on with joy. So Christ-like transformation is key to the disciple-making call, right? And you're ultimately going to become and be more like Jesus. That's ultimately the call that we have as Christians. As a matter of fact, this is specifically mentioned in Romans chapter 8, verse 29, which says, For those he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, so that he would be the firstborn among many brothers. So it's not just important that you know Jesus. It's vital that you look like Jesus, that you reflect Christ. You reflect him. It makes the difference. So persistent faithfulness, intentional effort, radical reliance, and godly uh, or Christ-like transformation, right, are all part of that disciple-making process. But it doesn't end there, right? Uh, number five, and finally, is an obvious difference. An obvious difference. And we'll look at that as we look at the kind of the last point of our message today, is an obvious difference. And this is, again, in, uh, ch- in, in, in chapter 2, verse 15 in particular, and it says this. It says, among whom you shine as lights in the world. Among whom you shine as lights in the world. So, the, the process of discipleship ultimately leads to Christians that look radically different than the world. They've been shaped differently by the teachings of Scripture, by the gospel, and more. And we actually see this kind of thing in 1 Peter chapter 2, verse 9. It says in 1 Peter 2, 9, But you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for his possession, so that you may proclaim the praises of the one, who called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. So don't miss this, right? That he has called you out of darkness to his marvelous light. And part of that is to be a reflection, a reflection of the character of Christ. So, so, so again, don't miss this. Becoming different does not happen by accident. As we've already said, it's an intentional effort that leads to a radical transformation. We look different as a result of discipleship. I'll give you an example. So um, I'm going to be coming to New York City and excited about being there with you. And we'll have our missions conference and all goes well. We'll uh, gather together. Still working on plans and details. You'll hear more about that. Uh, matter of fact, if you stick around after service in the Zoom call, we'll p- talk a little bit about the plans that are there. But to do that, I'm going to get on an airplane, right? We don't, I don't do that as much as I used to, but I'm going to get an airplane and I'm going to fly to be there uh, so we can be together, right? So um, one of the things that if you try to fly, some of you have traveled before, many of you were traveling regularly before, uh, in the before time, as I call it, the before time. But I have luggage, and my luggage, like almost every other business person who gets on a plane, you don't want to check because checking's for chumps. If you check, your bag, gone forever. So I have a roller board, it's actually called. Um, my kids are shocked by the fact that there uh, there's actually um, was a time. I told them when I was a kid, we carried luggage. We lugged luggage, and now there's wheels on it. And now, you know, I've got a roller board that has these wheels, and I can zip through the airport, get into my plane, put it in the, carry, uh, the carry-on uh, overhead, shut that thing, and boom, we're ready to go. Now, sometimes, rarely, 
I get on a plane and maybe I'm running late between connections and they say, oh, we don't have any room for your overhead, which is not what you want to hear. So they check the bag. And sometimes, in one particular occasion I'll mention, uh, I check bags and that bag was lost. Actually, it wasn't lost. What happened is somebody picked it up because all the business people have the same bag. So somebody picked up my black bag, took it home, and then I was left and I took their bag, went to the baggage claim and said, I'll hold this hostage until they bring mine back. But the point is this, I needed bags that would stand out. So here's what I did, is I actually uh, took some, I got some handles, these puke green handles, and kind of made my bag, you know, put some, made, made, made it look bad. I, I scuffed it up, I sort of put some, some rags on it. So now, my bags stand out. So when, you know how people all crowd, in the old days they'd crowd the baggage claim when the, you know, the, 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 uh, when, the, when you come out on the little uh, conveyor belt, and everyone's sort of crowd there. Well, I can actually tell when my bags comes out because people go, because <gasps> it's so ugly, and they back up, and, you know, women, the mothers cover their children's eyes, and, and you know, and fathers turn their, their children away, and, and uh, because my bags are just that ugly, and then I just walk up, grab my bags, and, and go. Um, but, but they're not that bad, but they're intentionally looked that way because they stand out. And I thought one day about those conveyor belts, because those conveyor belts could look like uh, a high-rise, right? Think about, about each bag being like, like a unit, an apartment, or whatever it may be, or, or maybe like a neighborhood with a home. And Does yours stand out? Does your home and your life stand out for good? Not for bad, not that people step back and cover the eyes of their children, but do they stand out and say there's an obvious difference? Because, again, that's what we're talking about here. Remember, persistent faithfulness, right? Obey always, in my absence and in my presence. Um, intentional effort. Work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. Radical reliance, right? For it is God who is working you, both to will and to do, for his good purposes. It's his purpose. It's his pleasure. It's his intent. Uh, Christ-like transformation. Made to look more like Christ. Then that's obvious difference. So that's the intent, right? That you would love the Lord, give glory to the Lord, but your love for him, and be changed to look like him. So if you're still filled with whatever the Lord wants to get out of you, we talked about grumbling and complaining earlier, and it's not coming out of you, then your discipleship gets stuck and truncated. And you don't grow well as a follower of Jesus. Go to the things you want to disciple out, there are characteristics you want to disciple in. So what should you do? Well, first, I want to encourage you to trust Jesus first, to save you and to grow you. And if you haven't trusted the Lord, if you're unsure what it means to be a follower of Jesus, we at Calvary are here to help you. Uh, you can contact us at the number at the website. You can contact us right directly in the chat because we want you to trust Jesus and not try to work for your own salvation, but to know that it's his gift. He died on the cross for your sin and in your place. So first, trust Jesus to save you and to grow you. Second, grow in the word to grow in discipleship. If you're not engaging the Word of God regularly, I can promise that you will not grow spiritually. So if you are, continue. Maybe even increase that. If you're not, maybe you can begin to say, I'm going to begin a Bible reading plan. Matter of fact, when we go into the post-service chat, I'm going to specifically talk about some ways that you can create a Bible reading plan in your own life. So I want you to come and stay around for the chat afterwards, and we'll talk about three or four ways to develop a consistency in Bible reading. And then finally, uh, thirdly, let the Spirit guide you to be more like Jesus. That's ultimately the desire, is that you might be more like Jesus in your life. I'm not there.
I got to continue to grow in what it means to be more like Jesus. And so do you. But we respond to ultimately how God is working when we walk in persistent faithfulness, intentional effort, radical reliance, Christ-like transformation, and then there's an obvious difference. Let's pray together. Father, I do pray that you might remind us over and over again that salvation is your work, sanctification is your work by which we say yes, and we take intentional effort to cooperate with how you grow us. Father, I pray that you might help all of us to grow as disciples so that an obvious difference might be seen and engaged in our lives. So thank you, Lord, for how you're working individually and corporately here at Calvary. May you be glorified in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Thank you for listening to Tell It From Calvary. For more information, to connect, make a prayer request, or make a contribution, go to our website at www.cbcnyc.org or call us at 212-975-0170. We hope you'll join us next time as we continue to Tell It From Calvary.